You can be seated, and as you're seated, we'll dismiss our children to their class. They'll have class downstairs today, and their teacher as well. Amen. God bless our children. I'm excited about the baptism after service. That'll be fun. Amen. Praise God. If you love the Lord, say amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. There's a script, there's a word that's in the scripture mentioned many, many times in the scripture. And it's got two meanings, two different meanings, but it's one English word. So sometimes you see it and it means one thing. Sometimes you see it and it means another thing. The word is power. Everybody say power. Power. In, in English, we say power and we mean, well, you mean whatever you mean when you say power. Sometimes you talk about, well, we sing our, how powerful the Lord is. He's got power. Maybe in a storm, all the lights go out in your house and you say, we lost power. In, this, in, the, in the scripture, especially in the New Testament Greek, where we see this word most often, one place it means ability to do. That's the Greek word dunamis, or it's really like dynamite because it's D-Y-N, like dyna. That's where we get dynamite. Dynamite's got power, right? It can blow things up. It's got the ability to do. That's power. And then the other one is exosia in the, in the Greek, exosia. That doesn't mean ability to do. It means authority, authority to do something. I, I have a visual, maybe you've heard something like this before, but it gives me uh, a clear picture of this. The difference in dunamis, the ability to do, and exosia, the authority to do. Why don't you, if, if just picture in your mind some strong people, big, strong Type, the type you see if you've ever been to a, a weightlifting class or something like that. And, and the, you can tell, wow, it's like you live here. You know, big and strong. Get a car full of those big, strong men. Get them driving a little bit too fast on the, speed, on the road above the speed limit. And they get pulled over and outsteps out a police officer. It, it could be a... Someone about the stature of Sister Berna, not to pick on Sister Berna, but she's not the, the buffest. But if she's got the police car, the police uniform, the badge, she's got the power. <laughs> and in, in, I'm not just picking on her, but you, you see the difference in authority and ability. If she gets out and says, if this police officer says to this group of muscle-bound physique, 
you have to do what I say. That muscle-bound physique could say, no, I don't. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm more powerful than you. Okay, sure, powerful in the sense of dunamis ability. But you don't have the authority to do what we say. What I say goes. I'm the authority here. So in the scripture, sometimes it says power and it means ability to do. Sometimes it says power and it means authority to do. I can give you a couple of examples of this really quickly. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, talking about his disciples, and he says, All power is given unto me. Everybody say power. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. This power is exousia. This is authority. He's telling them, he's about to give them command to go out, teach, make disciples, baptize. But before you go out there and do these things, I want you to know I have all authority. What I say goes in heaven and in earth. Verse verse 19 says, Go ye therefore. Therefore is because of this. Since I have all power, all authority, heaven and earth, I get to tell you, go and do. And you're going to see that my authority gets exercised. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Another passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, Luke 10, 19. It says, Behold, I give unto you power. Everybody say power. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power, everybody say power, over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the, this, this is an example. Power is in here twice, but they're, they're not the same word. When he says, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents, he's saying I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. I, I don't think this was like a nature pep talk. Like, you got to go from here to there and there's snakes between, but don't worry about it because you can walk on them. No, I think he's given them a little bit of insight into the spiritual realm that they're about to participate in. You have authority over these things. And over all the power of the enemy, that's the dunamis, the ability of the enemy. Anything that they can do... You have authority over. 
Do you see that? I give you power over, authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the enemy. So he can bring his biggest punch. He can pack his greatest ammo. All the ability, all the dynamite, all the dunamis power of the enemy. Your enemy. Everybody say, my enemy. I know I've said this frequently, but you do have an enemy, and he wants to take you down. He brings weapons. He brings wiles. All the wiles of the enemy. He's going to try to mess you up. He's going to try to hurt you. And he's going to bring different things. Attacks. What Jesus said right here is, you have authority over all the attacks of the enemy. There's not a thing. We sang this song, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why? Because I have authority over the weapon. You point that gun at me and I'm just going to say, weapon don't work. And it's got to listen. Because I have authority over the thing. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Power, power. Ability, authority. I've mentioned this passage a couple of times lately, and I just want to recall it to you. Luke 7 and 9. Luke chapter 7, verse 9. This is when we call the Roman centurion comes to Jesus with a soldier that lays sick and dying. Luke 7 and 9. He, he approaches Jesus and he says, My servant's sick, he's about to die. But if you speak the word, he shall be healed. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled and said, Unto the people that followed him, I've not seen such great faith, not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Why? Well, you go back and he, the, the centurion says, For I am a man under authority. I understand how exousia works. You seem to have exousia, authority, over all these different kinds of sicknesses. So my, so my soldier that is sick and needs healing has a disease under your control. And he says, I, I know control. I know authority. He expresses that. And that's what causes Jesus to say, this man has faith unlike any I've ever seen before. He understands my authority. And Jesus speaks the word and the servant is healed. He exercises the authority. Do you see that? The soldier might not have understood the dunamis. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how the abilities, I don't even know who you are, honestly, other than I hear about your reputation. 
So I don't know where you get your power. I don't know how it works, but it works because you're able to do it because you have authority over it. So the soldier, this, this guard might not have understood the ability of Jesus, but he understood the authority of Jesus. And I have amazing news for you. Both the ability and the authority that Jesus exercises can heal sickness. He didn't say, all right, let me, let me get to him. I've got to do, I've got to, my, my magic trick, I've got to spit in the ground and make this magic potion and rub it on him. That's doing, right? I don't have to do. I just have to speak. But other times, he did spit in the ground, pick it up, put it on the eyes. He can do it either way, with ability or authority. He's got both. Amen? I want you to look at this passage, Luke chapter 8, verse 37. I'm going to do a, uh, a little bit of reading here. I want to talk about our faith and his power. Our faith and his power. Just to recap, because I've also mentioned this one a few times recently, the man, the, the demoniac of the Gadarenes. You remember that story? That's kind of interwoven between what we're about to read. So he, he heals the man. He casts out the spirits. They go and tell. They come and see. The man is clothed, sitting in his right mind with Jesus. This is what happens. The whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. I want you to leave. I don't understand your ability. I don't understand your authority. I don't know how you do any of this. And to be honest, it creeps me out. So I'd rather you just go and do that over there. If you look, the Gadarenes, it says over against Galilee. It means it was across the water from Galilee. So they said, get in your boat and go back over to that side. Do your thing over there, not over here. They were taken with great fear. He went back in the ship to return again. Go to verse 40. It came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. You see the difference? One group of people says, we're afraid of you, get out of here. We don't want that exercising among us. And the other group says, we're so glad you're back, we need more of this. His, he did the same on both sides. It's not like he went over to the Gadarenes and started preaching something different or acting some strange way. He did the exact same thing in both places. Hear me. How you receive the work of the Lord determines a great deal. 
how you receive his work. Not him, not what he does, not his ability or his authority. It's your faith or your doubt or your fear. Those things, all, th- those things dictate his operation in, great, in a great degree. I have felt such a witness throughout this service knowing these scriptures that the Lord had given me, has given me. So he gets back to Galilee. The people are waiting for him, gladly receiving him. Verse 41, Behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house, for he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. I can just picture Jarius along the seaside waiting. When's he going to come back over here? Because my daughter needs him. And he finally arrives. Jesus arrives. Jarius meets him and says, I need you in my house now. My daughter's laying sick. She's about to die. But he wasn't the only one with the need. All of Galilee was there around I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Hey, after you fix Jarius' daughter, you think you can come take a look at this over at my place? Well, yeah, but first come over here. They all want him. They all need him. Verse 42 again. It says, but as he went, the people thronged him. They were all up on him, crowding him. And a woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him. I'm not going to try to pick on the low-hanging fruit here. This whole idea about spending money at the doctor. It's in the scripture. And I don't know. I don't want to just pick on her because it says when she heard about Jesus, then she came to him. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and say maybe she didn't know about his dunamis or his exosia, his power before. And so she was going to the physicians. Yes, all the way back then in time, you had to pay the doctor. They didn't have Blue Cross Blue Shield or universal health care. They didn't have any of those things. So she spent all of her money trying to get healed for 12 years. And she hears about Jesus. She sees the crowd gathering. She knows he left in the boat a while back and went that way. We're just hoping he comes back this way. In the crowd. So he comes back. She sees that must be him. In the crowd of people. She came behind him. There's a lot. I'm not a psychologist. I don't pretend to be one. But there's a lot that can be read into and and understood about this lady. From what the scripture does tell us. She's not blind Bartimaeus. Jesus! I'm over here. No, she's about as opposite of that as she could be. She's sneaking. 
quietly behind. I don't want to bother him. I don't want anybody to know that this is me. I, I just believe in him. I just have faith in him. And I think if I can get close enough to touch him, I'll be healed. Verse 43 again. Verse 44. She came behind him. She touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. It stopped. And Jesus said, watch this. Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied. No, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't touch you. It wasn't me. It might have been that one. No, nope, not me either. Jesus is looking around saying, who touched me? Peter then, he says, Master, the multitude is all around you, crowding you. Everybody's touching you. And you say, who touched me? I mean, that guy did, that guy did, this one did, that one did. You're walking through a crowd of people touching everybody. Yeah, you're right. I'm walking through a crowd of people touching everybody, but somebody came up and intentionally touched me. That's a difference. Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. I got, uh, I'm going to come back to this, but let me just pause here for a moment and say, Jesus can walk through a crowd of people bumping up against them and them not be changed. Proximity to Jesus does not equal miracle. Do you understand? Oh, I just got to get to church because uh, that's where Jesus shows up and then I'll have my miracle. Not necessarily. Ask all the people that Peter said were thronged about him. You bumped this one and you bumped into that one and you knocked this guy over and this one wasn't even looking and you, you walked right past him and touched him on the shoulder. None of that caused virtue to go out of Jesus. He's, but he stops in the middle of a crowd and he says, I felt something. That's what it means to perceive in this context. I felt virtue go out of me. Yes, I am crazy enough to believe that your faith can cause you to receive a miracle. It's not like Jesus is holding his deck of cards and he's like, oh, I can't wait to play this one if they just ask for it. I, I know that's a silly analogy, but I wonder how many times we're sitting there thinking, you're, you're sandbagging me, Jesus. You're holding out on me. You could play the healing card, the miracle card at any time, but you just won't. Don't let that be your attitude. The lady says... If I can get to him and touch him, 
He doesn't even have to know it. He doesn't have to pause everything, get everybody out of the way, and, you know, get the dunamis ready. No, my faith is that he's got so much. But I I, I want you to, to see this. In verse 46 again, he says, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Do you know the Greek word for virtue? It's dunamis, power. Power to do, ability to do, left me. It went out from me. Somebody got a hold of my power. It literally means a power to heal disease proceeded from him. I know somebody touched me because they got a healing. I know somebody reached intentionally for me to grab on to the power because they they got it. Verse 47. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people, For what cause she touched him and how she was healed immediately. He said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole go in peace. Again, verse 46. Somebody touched me for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. The dunamis, the power to heal left him, but he perceived it. He knew it. This is gnosko. He knew. I want to show you another verse with this same meaning of the word to know, gnosko. If you'll go to Mark chapter, tw- chapter 5, verse 24. Yes, we're going to read the same passage, but according to Mark. Remember, I felt virtue leave me. Mark 5, 24, and Jesus went with him. This is Jairus again. Much people followed him, thronged him. A certain woman, verse 25, had an issue of blood 12 years. She suffered many things out of many physicians, spent all that she had. Nothing was better, but grew worse. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For Verse 28, again, I want you to look at this. I told you we can read into a lot and get to know this woman. Here she says, Mark records, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, for sake of time, we're not going to read the Matthew. We read Luke. Now we're reading Mark. Matthew says, for she said within herself, to herself, she said. It's not like she's going around telling everybody, uh, is Jesus around here? I, I need to touch him. 
Is Jesus here? I think if I touch him, I can get healed. Nope. She's saying it within herself. This is, I feel, I felt this from the Lord when he showed me this in scripture. There are people in our congregation. Their faith in the Lord is great. But their ability or desire to express their faith is small. I didn't say they have small faith. Their faith in the Lord is great. But they're not the most boisterous among us saying, everybody get out of my way. I'm getting to Jesus. I'm going to, if we sing this song, I'm going to get my blessing, right? That's me. Yeah, that's the attitude that some people have while others are sitting there saying within themselves, if I could just get to Jesus, I'm saying it within myself. The, uh, the person sitting next to me might not even know the faith that's stirring inside of me and the need, the situation. She says it within herself. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. I don't want the spotlight on me. I don't want to be the one that Jesus stops the crowd and says, everybody, look at this person. No, I'd rather just get in and out with the miracle. Verse 29. Verse 28. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Remember I told you when Jesus says, I perceived virtue has gone out of me, that's gnosko. I know. I perceive Gnosko is what the woman experienced when it says she felt in her body. I know that I am healed. It's a, it's a transaction, if I can put it that way. The healing virtue, transaction, it leaves Jesus and he knows it went somewhere. It comes into the lady, and she knows, I have received the healing that I need. She felt in her body that, the, that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, verse 30, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out, turned him about the press and said, who touched my clothes. When the Lord was taking me through these scriptures before service, I'll be honest with you, I kind of just had a quick little conversation with the Lord. It doesn't always work this way, but this is kind of how it felt to me this time. I got this, these pieces, the dunamis, the virtue, the knowing, the perceiving, the feeling. And I just said, okay, Lord, what do you want 
people to know about that. I'll tell him. If you tell me what to say, I'll tell him. And he said, tell them I can do anything. That's about as clear and concise as I felt it from the Lord. Tell them I can do anything. Do you believe it? He can do anything? I thought you believed it. Because my response to the Lord was, I think most people already know that. (laughs) And he didn't stop. He said, then tell them to act like it. God, what do you want me to tell people about your dunamis, your power, or about your authority, your power, What do you want me to tell them about these examples that we see in Scripture over and over and over again where you do heal people? Sometimes you go to them. Sometimes they come to you. But you work. You operate. What do you want me to tell them about that? Tell them it's not just the stories in the Bible. Tell them I can do anything that's needed. Okay, tell them. I don't think they're going to be shocked, but I'll tell them. Yes, you'll tell them they won't be shocked. So tell them to act like they already know it. Act like they believe I can do anything. (laughs) And then he got a little bit more direct. Tell them to act like it. Or really, tell them to stop acting like they have to do it themselves. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I felt the Lord tell me to tell us today. Stop acting like we have to do it ourselves. What do you mean? Well, let's just put you in, the, in this situation. You've got a health issue ongoing for 12 years. And you, be, you, you believe and you know God can do anything, but you act like it's something you need to deal with, something you've got to address, something you've got to fix. I know I hear it in the room right now. If I don't address it, I can't, and then you fill in the blank. I can't get out of bed. I can't go to work. I can't do my responsibilities, whatever it is. I understand. I'm just telling you what the Lord told me. Stop acting like we have to do it ourselves. And I said, show me that in Scripture, please, because I don't just want to go tell them that. And he did. Actually, he just kind of quoted the scripture into my spirit. It's found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? 
I'm not talking to a group of people that doesn't know God. I'm not talking to a group of people that doesn't know God can heal or can do anything. We know God can do anything. We've experienced it. Most of us, to some degree or another, have experienced his awesome power. So when I said, uh, okay, if we're acting like we've got to do it ourselves, instead of relying on you, where is that in Scripture? And this is what he said. Having begun in the Spirit, that means I started a spiritual work in your life. I spoke a word. I gave a healing. I worked a miracle. I gave you a word of faith. Whatever it is, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect or complete? That means like finishing the thought or finishing the act. Are you now finishing it in the flesh? I'm not going to take the time to go all the way through this, but Galatians 1, 2, 3, 4. Paul is writing to the Galatians about righteousness specifically. But there, this is a universal principle that the Lord drops in the middle of all of this. Because Paul catches wind that the Galatians are feeling like even though the Lord came and baptized them, gave them the Holy Ghost, started making them holy, they started feeling like we still have to obey the laws of Moses. And Paul says... Who hath bewitched you? That's really the word that he used. Who came in to your assembly and convinced you all that the Holy Ghost wasn't enough? The, whole, the Holy Ghost that wrote the law. Not the law that somehow produced the Holy Ghost. How has somebody convinced you that the Holy Ghost came in, worked in your life, and now, in order to proceed with that, you've got to jump back into the flesh and obey a bunch of flesh, man-made, written rules and laws. How have you gone from that point to that point? I told you this is universal. I'm not trying to get bogged down in this, you go study Galatians and you'll find out what he's talking about. But the point is, the, the work that God does through his ability, through his authority, is a spiritual work. And you are a spirit being. It's a spirit transaction. You see, the, the, look at the roles that flesh played in that story that we read in Luke real fast. The flesh in the woman had the infirmity, the sickness. The flesh in Jesus got out of a boat, stepped on the ground, and started walking through a crowd. The flesh of the woman said, let me get to him and touch him. Okay, these are physical transactions that are taking place but they're driven by a need and faith i told you i want to talk about when our faith meets his power Amen. my faith oh it's the need that's driving you no it's not the need 
It's not the need because you'll try a lot of other things to meet the need. It's not the need that's driving you to Jesus. Oh, I know that makes you sound really spiritual when you get to say, I came to Jesus with my need. I'm not trying to be rude. But it is the faith that needs to be the driver. How many times have you seen or heard of a person with a need... (laughs) <laughs> they come into church or they go, go to their Christian friend and they say, I need this from God or from you or from the church. I need this. Okay, well, God can do anything, yes. But he told the woman, daughter, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Not my clothes. Not a garment. Your faith made you whole. You could get up here and touch my clothes all day long and not change if you don't have faith. That's like me walking through the crowd of people, bumping this one, bumping that one, and there's a, there is a transaction, but it's not producing. Why? Because it has to be met With faith. You can stand with me. I'm almost done. This is a universal principle. You either receive what you need through faith Or you receive the wrong thing by the works of the flesh. I don't mean the wrong things as in like sin necessarily. But this woman spent 12 years and all of her money at the doctor trying to receive through works of her own ability and their ability. She's not receiving it. She's not getting it. Those are works, those are attempting works of our flesh. Again, you either receive what you need. I'm going back to Galatians 3.3. Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? You either receive what you need through faith or through you receive the wrong thing through attempting the works of the flesh. Last verse I'm going to read, Romans 14. Verse 23, and I just want you to see this one part of it because we're talking about faith. I'm just going to read the last part of this verse, Romans 14, 23. It says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We have to resist the desire to take it from here. You understand that phrase? I'll, I, I, I know where this is going. Lord, you spoke into my life, or you started doing this work, or started doing this great work. I see where we're headed. I can take it from here. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, 
I pray that you would increase our faith. Let us not get ahead of you or go before you, God, or try to produce the work on our own that you would desire to do. We have to resist the desire to take it from here or to get ahead of God. One of the spiritual gifts that the Lord gave is we call it the gifts of discernment. Brother Hart talked about this a while back. Tremendous understanding. We call it the gift of discernment. The scripture calls it the gift of discerning of spirits. But we can get so ahead of the right thing thinking we're using the gift of discernment. Like, maybe... Uh, please, just let me get this analogy out of the way and don't read into it too much, okay? I'm just giving you an example. Maybe I have discerned that so-and-so in the congregation has a physical infirmity and the Lord wants... To heal them of that. And now I'm going way from, from that, what I think I've discerned, into, oh, all kinds of thoughts come into my mind. When, when did this start? How, what did they do wrong that started this? How are they going to get the healing? When are they going to get the healing? Why don't they just get it right now? Is it because they're still doing something wrong? Is it, still, is it because God's not ready? What is it? You see where I'm going? I, I started something that I thought was spiritual, like discernment, and I've gone way overboard. Having begun in the spirit, trying to complete the thing in the flesh. Help us, Jesus. No, this, the, the gift is the gift of discerning of spirits. <laughs> It, it doesn't take a whole lot of spiritual discernment when you see somebody come in on crutches in a cast and know, oh, I think the Lord's telling me they hurt their foot. No, that's physical ailment and understanding. You're just processing information. The gift of the discerning of spirits could be he's not, in a, he's not on crutches. He's not in a cast. But there is something wrong in the leg of that individual. Not physical. It might have a physical manifestation, but there is a spirit of infirmity trying to work. Okay? That's the gift of the spirit to discern the spirit. Nowhere in the scripture does it say, now go over and lay hands on that foot, shake it around a little bit, and then be surprised when it doesn't get healed. No. We have to let the Lord give us faith, wisdom, 
discernment. The Lord can do everything. He can do anything. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment. The Lord can do anything. I already know that. I already believe that. His instruction to me today is to start acting like it, to express my faith and stop trying to make my own way. Why don't you find a place to pray? Come on, the altar's open. I'm asking you if you would, let the Lord help us with these things that he's talking to us about today. Would you do that? Would you find a place to pray? Close your eyes and get alone with the Lord and let him help us. Let him deal with us. Lord, I want my faith to meet your power. I know you can do anything, Lord. I know you have all ability and you have all authority. God, I'm bringing my faith to you. I'm expressing my faith to you. My trust is in you. Come on, there's, there's needs. There's needs in this room. And the Lord is just simply waiting for the expression of faith to meet his virtue, to meet his power. All I can do is give us the invitation. The invitation is here. I'm not looking for any physical manifestation or, or any action. This is a faith thing. This is a spiritual transaction. You need to let your spirit reach out to the Lord. You need to let your spirit cry out to God. Even if you've got to say it within yourself, if I could just get to the Lord, if I could just reach Him, if I could just touch Him, I will be healed. I will be made whole. That is my faith. That is my understanding of who He is, of what He can do. Come on, express that faith to the Lord, would you? Express that faith to the Lord.
say something here. Try to help us with some understanding. Many, many years ago, my wife and I were at a different church attending there regularly. And for the span of a few weeks, in a service like this, similar, uh, when people would come down to the front to pray, there was a young man. He would, he would get over here to the right side. He was kind of new to the congregation, and most people didn't know him. But he was there, and he was hungry, and he was seeking the Lord. And like we Pentecostals do, we wanted to go pray for him and help him and minister to him. And what I, what I have noticed, I observed this on more than one occasion, whenever the Spirit of the Lord would really try to start ministering to that young man, he would start acting out in strange ways that he hadn't been acting at any point. You meet him at the door, you greet him, he doesn't act like that. You greet him in the middle of a service, he doesn't act like that. But when we were praying for him, he started doing these things. And uh, I felt the Lord help me and say, that's not him. And that's not me. That's something else. But here's the, here, I felt it was like, a, like the Lord just shared a spiritual principle with me. He said, because the evil spirit that's working through him is trying to violate him. His character, his personality, his, who he is. Because he's a quiet man. He's a reserved young man. He's a polite young man. But when that spirit tries to act out, when the spirit tries to act out, it's going to do things that a quiet, reserved young man will not do. I mean, I saw him run up on the platform. I saw him go and push the pulpit. I saw him do some things that are just like, I don't know what's trying to get expressed here, but it's not the Holy Ghost. And it's not that young man's will. He wouldn't be doing that. And we wouldn't have told him to do that. There's something else operating here. The spiritual principle is God's not going to violate you and your person. You sure are not going to violate yourself and who you are as a person. So when something starts to do that or even starts to spark the ideas in the mind to do that, that's not the Lord. I observed it a few times, and then it, I started to notice it wasn't just this young man. Occasionally, I would just get to see somebody and say, you're never like this. That's not who you are. 
and those are not fruits of the Spirit. Something's going on. Would you just close your eyes with me? Would you just meditate on the Lord? Come on, speak to the Lord right now. Express your faith like we've been doing here today. Express your faith in the Lord. God, you can do anything. You're able to do all things, Jesus. Come on, would you just raise your hands right now all across the room. Raise your hands to the Lord. Express your faith to Him. God, you are able. You can do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power According to the power, according to the power, God, uh, that you have, uh, it's your power. All power in heaven and earth is given unto you, Jesus. Now take that prayer and just pray it over a situation. All power, all authority in Jesus is given over this situation. It's given over this need. Given over this life. Given over this home. Given over this city. Come on, would you express that in prayer right now? Express that in prayer. Jesus, all power belongs to you. Come on, the man brought his son to Jesus and he said, oftentimes he throws himself in the fire or the water. What is that? That's not the Holy Ghost and that's not his, his action. That's something violating his will. You ought not to let something violate you or the person you love, the person you know, you care about. Don't let that thing violate them anymore. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus and say, All powers given to you, Jesus. All authority is under your authority. Here's what I'd like us to do. If you, if you have a specific need or a situation that you're thinking, I need the authority, I need this to be under the authority of Jesus. If you would, we're going to close our eyes and pray. If you would just raise your hands as a sign of faith. Lord, I'm giving this to you. Come on, would you do that now? Close your eyes and raise your hands. Put the faith in the Lord. I'm putting this in your hands, Jesus. I'm putting this under your authority, God. I'm not going to try to do something about it on my own, God, but I'm bringing it to you. I'm putting it under your authority, Jesus. My faith is in you, God. My faith is in your ability, in your authority, in your power. God, I know you can do all things. I know you can do all things.
Come on, let some of that authority operate in you for a minute. Come on. Let some of that authority operate in you. He's given you a word. He's given you His Spirit for it to operate through you. Let that prayer be prayed through you. In the name of Jesus, I speak the healing right now in Jesus' name. I speak the deliverance right now in Jesus' name. I speak the faith in Jesus' name. Now, all eyes closed, because I'm not trying to make this a spectacle. All eyes closed. But if the need that you're praying for is for a backslider, a family member or a friend, would you just raise that hand and let's continue to pray? Come on, we're taking this to the Lord right now. We're taking this to the Lord. I'm putting it under your authority, Jesus. I'm putting it under your authority, God. They belong to you, Jesus. You've purchased their salvation, God. You will work it out, God. You will work it out, Lord Jesus. Come on. Maybe that wasn't your original need, but the Lord is here right now for that need. If you've got faith for somebody, you ought to be expressing it right now to the Lord. If you've got faith that the Lord's going to bring that person back to the kingdom, back to the house of God, back to righteousness, you need to express that right now. In the name of Jesus, I speak it. I claim it over their life right now. In Jesus' name, it's under the authority of the Holy Ghost. It's under the operation of the Spirit of God. I can't make it happen, but the Lord can make it happen. God, it's under your authority right now in Jesus' name. You're going to do it, Lord. You're going to make it happen, Jesus. You're going to bring conviction into that life. You're going to speak words of conviction into that life. Cause them to turn towards you. To turn away from their own ways and turn to you. I believe it, Lord Jesus. I believe it, Lord. All right, all eyes closed, all eyes closed. If the need is for healing, a physical healing in the body, if it's you or somebody else, would you raise your hand as an expression of faith and say, it's under the authority of God. I'm putting this in your hands, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's express our faith in the Lord right now. Jesus, you have the ability. You have the authority, God. I'm submitting this to you, Jesus. I can't figure it out my own way, Lord. I don't know how to make this thing happen. But you do, God. And all authority in heaven and earth is given to you. I speak it right now in Jesus' name. I speak faith in the name of Jesus. 
I speak the healing, the miracle in the name of Jesus. Father, only you can do it. Only you can do it, Jesus. Yes, God, you are in control, and it's under your authority. It's under your authority, Jesus. Let the virtue of God flow according to the faith. I pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. We were singing at the beginning of service, our God reigns. Our God is in control. Our God reigns. I believe that now more than ever. Our God reigns. some thanks I thank you Jesus oh I thank you Jesus I thank you for your greatness Lord uh, I thank you for your power I thank you for your healing God uh, I thank you for restoring lost souls I thank you Jesus for bringing deliverance to those that are captive hallelujah in the name of Jesus Amen. Amen. I'm encouraging you. Let your faith meet his power. Amen. Let your faith meet his virtue. He can do anything. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Greet one another while we get ready for this baptism. Amen.